Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to SaskAg Today. Coming up on today's program, a box of letters was personally delivered to the Saskatchewan Legislature yesterday by the Saskatchewan Alliance for Water Sustainability. And we will hear from a number of people who spoke at that letter drop-off yesterday outside the Legislature. Prices for Saskatchewan feeder cattle continue to be strong. According to the latest cattle market update issued by Canfax, we'll hear from Emily Taylor, who is a livestock development intern with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Michael Wilton will join us today with the Mercantile Consulting Venture Weekly Overview of the Wheat Market, which was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for your agriculture outlook with precision weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. A box of letters was personally delivered to the Saskatchewan Legislature yesterday by the Saskatchewan Alliance for Water Sustainability, known as SAWS. In June, the Alliance launched a letter-writing campaign to raise awareness of the provincial government developing the Agricultural Water Stewardship Policy, as well as encouraging residents to share concerns they may have about the policy. A key question the Alliance asked was, how will the new Ag Water Stewardship Policy improve water quality in this province? Their goal was 2,000 letters, but were able to pull in 2,251 letters from business owners, cabin owners, outdoor enthusiasts, First Nations people, and farmers. The chair of SAWS, Ora Lee, says a lot of people thanked them for their work and appreciated the opportunity to share feedback. They were very sincere and I hope the Premier understands that um, there's a great deal of concern of how we, we manage, manage water. And we just read in the paper that with the pronoun policy it took 18 letters to convince a conversation. So we're really hoping 2,300 letters will, will provide the conversation that we need to have. The Alliance's two criticisms were the lack of a wetland conservation policy in the province and the Water Security Agency's enforcement of illegal drainage projects. Lane Mountney is a farmer in southeastern Saskatchewan 
who shares his frustrations with the Water Security Agency. We are involved in a 28-quarter drainage project only because our one quarter is needed for the outlet end to handle that much water in the creek. As the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency does not check beyond the outlet, they did not realize that same creek goes through our creek pasture and that much water affects our well water and the well is on high ground. Our well water gets contaminated during spring runoff and high moisture events and is unfit for human consumption at those times and in 2022 the water turned yellow. My question to the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency is why are they not checking downstream for that large quantity of water and why are they approving this? It is because they do not care about the Saskatchewan people's quality of life downstream of their projects. In this drainage project, the dominant drainers are draining seven wetlands over seven acres each and there are are 880 wetlands in this drainage project according to the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency drainage project wetland summary sheet. Mountney also claims someone from the Water Security Agency approached him about additional drainage and when he said no more they did it anyway. In this project the tech for the partner agency at the time which was three years ago who quit this job shortly after said to us the main drainer wants to add more and I said no more additional drainage and over two years later we are presented with an approved WSA contract with this additional drainage added on. They did not even consider us in this project and I have the email to verify this from the partner agency tech. Another drainage project five miles north of where we live has 1536 wetlands and the main road that joins number one and 48 highway was closed for six days because of all the water being drained and causing RM infrastructure problems during a low spring runoff this year. These drainage projects are happening all over Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan Water Security Agency are putting a lot of advertising on how good a job they are doing with water quality protecting downstream flooding and the environment to make them look good when they are not doing what they say. The NDP critic for the Water Security Agency, Erica Ritchie, took issue with the Water Security Agency's complaint-based system of enforcing illegal drainage. She says it pits neighbor against neighbor. And so it's only when um, someone actually has the courage to stand up to the agency that um, an issue will be logged and go in the hopper. But then after that, um, you run into other challenges like what Lane was just describing in terms of they narrow the scope so so down so far that they suggest that well you're not a, you're not impacted or affected so your views don't matter. That that is highly questionable uh, response. Then they go further and you know landowners become further frustrated and exasperated by the process and then they get letters back that say to them well we don't think you're being respectful in your dialogue with us these are people who are being directly affected by by a policy that is actively working against their interests and when they try to speak up they are marginalized they're told to be quiet that their views don't matter and and that oh but by the way uh we don't like your tone so it's it's been incredibly frustrating and disrespectful for landowners when they bring those 
those stories over and over again. The Alliance expects a reply from the government. They also expect the government to implement and enforce a wetland policy by next spring. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. The Vancouver Fraser Port Authority says container shipments are falling as consumer demand weakens amid a sputtering economy. The authority says container shipment volume at the Port of Vancouver in the first half of the year fell 14% compared with the same six-month period in 2022. Movement of construction materials and auto parts also slumped, while shipments of finished vehicles ramped up as supply chain kinks smoothed out. Grain exports marked the biggest bright spot, ramping up more than 100%, a boost driven in part by record volume shipped to Africa amid a surge in demand brought on by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Nonetheless, the two-week strike by B.C. port workers in July took a toll on operations as month-over-month -month container shipments fell by a third and pushed many shippers to other ports. The Prince Edward Island Federation of Agriculture is warning the island could lose half of its farmland by 2050 if more action isn't taken to preserve it. Executive Director Donald Killorn told a legislature committee Friday that the province lost 12.3% of its farmland between 2016 and 2021. He says the decline is risky because large processors like Cavendish Farms Amalgamated Dairies Limited and Atlantic Beef Products require a certain level of raw product to stay in business. The Federation says subdivisions and development often drive farmland loss and the province needs to take a more active role in reversing this trend. Lawmakers in both the U.S. House of Representatives and Senate have now proposed legislation aimed at guaranteeing farmers have a right to repair agricultural equipment. The U.S. National Farmers Union is welcoming the bill, saying it could save American farmers an estimated $4.2 billion per year in direct costs and equipment downtime. The proposed legislation defines the type of information manufacturers would be required to provide regarding repairs. If a manufacturer does not make the necessary digital or physical tools available, they would be required to provide enough information to create the tools. The bill would also enhance the Federal Trade Commission's ability to enforce these requirements. While American legislation could affect the extent to which repair resources are available to farmers in Canada, a private member's bill aimed at protecting Canadians' right to repair is currently waiting for third reading in the House of Commons. Countries from the European Union's eastern wing are calling on the European Commission to boost checks on solidarity lanes for Ukrainian grains and introduce a deposit system for exports. Ukraine has been in dispute with neighboring allies over restrictions on its grain, which has been forced to send overland since Russia's invasion last year. The EU created alternative land routes, so-called solidarity lanes, for Ukraine to use to export its grains and oilseeds. But its neighbors have argued that cheap Ukrainian agricultural goods 
meant to be in transit get sold locally, harming their own farmers. Hungary, Poland and Slovakia imposed national restrictions on Ukrainian grain imports this month after the European Commission decided not to extend a ban on imports into those countries and fellow bloc members Bulgaria and Romania. Ukrainian grain exports from September 1st to the 24th totaled 1.57 million metric tons, down sharply from the 3.21 million metric tons in the corresponding period last year. The Agriculture Ministry gave no explanation for the decline. Traders and agricultural unions have said that the blocking of Black Sea ports and recent Russian attacks on Ukrainian ports on the Danube River are the main reasons for the reduced exports. The ministry data showed that Ukraine has exported a total of 6.2 million metric tons of grain so far in the 2023-24 July to June season versus 7.5 million metric tons in the same period of the previous season. The volume included almost 3 million metric tons of wheat, 2.5 million metric tons of corn, and 599,000 metric tons of barley. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and 19 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Prices for Saskatchewan feeder cattle continue to be strong, according to the latest cattle market update issued by Canfax. Livestock development intern with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Emily Taylor, says all but one weight category saw a price increase this past week. Feeder cattle prices are continuing to increase with the price decline only affecting lightweight feeder heifers. Feeder steer prices range from $505.63 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category down to $313.80 per hundredweight for the 900 plus pound weight category this week. The largest price increase was seen in the 300 to 400 pound weight category with prices improving $18.82 per hundredweight over the previous week. The smallest price increase was seen in the 900 plus pound weight category with an average price increase of $2.42 per hundredweight. Average weekly prices for Saskatchewan's feeder heifers ranged from $430.33 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category to $301.71 per hundredweight for the 800 plus pound weight category. The largest price increase was seen in the 400 to 500 pound weight category this week with prices improving $13.20 per hundredweight week over week. The only price decrease was absorbed in the 300 to 400 pound weight category, which saw an average decline of $7.50 per hundredweight. She notes some factors are affecting the feed mar- feeder market. Feed grain prices have declined again this week, but larger volumes entering the market are slowing price increases for feeder cattle. Market volume was significantly higher than the numbers marketed during the same time last year. Some of the CME feeder and live cattle futures contracts have started to decline slightly. The number of cattle sold at auction in Saskatchewan 
is high for the second consecutive week. With Canfax reporting 12,049 heads sold over the week ending September 22nd, compared to the 11,292 head marketed the previous week. Year-to-date, Saskatchewan feeder cattle marketings are 3% above 2022 at just under 295,000 head. Taylor also has the details on market-ready cattle. Alberta fed steers averaged $232.87 per hundred rate for the week ending September 22nd, which is down 32 cents from last week's price of $233.19 per hundred rate. Alberta cow prices reported on September 22nd were down week over week. D2 cows decreased on average $3.51 per hundred weight from the week prior to average $135.10 per hundred weight. The price of D3 cows was down $4.11 per hundred weight over the prior week, ending the week at an average of $123.75 per hundred weight. Emily Taylor is a livestock development intern with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, providing this week's cattle market update. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 184.80 today. That's down 217. December live cattle closed at 188.47 down 275. October feeder cattle closed at 253.87, down 495. November feeder cattle closed at 256.87, down 582. October lean hogs closed at 81.62, up 10. December lean hogs closed at 72.35, down 17. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will continue right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskag Today. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Wheat futures were lower last week as supplies from the Northern Hemisphere continued to enter the market. Vessels of Ukrainian wheat traveled safely through the Black Sea, and Russia continues to dominate exports. The International Grains Council released their September grain market report on wheat last week. The ICG increased global wheat supply and decreased use in the September grain market report. Global wheat production was seen 600,000 tons lower than last month at 783.5 million tons. This is down 3% from last year. Decreases in production were primarily in exporting countries, with Australia and Canada seeing the largest decreases from last month. Australian production was down 2.5 million tons, and Canadian production was reduced by 1.7 million tons. Larger crops in the Black Sea partially offset these decreases, as production in Russia and Ukraine were raised by 3 million tons and 1.3 million tons respectively. The lower production reported by the IGC was entirely offset by 1 million tons of larger beginning stocks. Global wheat use was revised lower by 1.3 million tons, as estimated feed use offset higher food and industrial use. Total ending stocks were put 1.7 million tons higher than last month, at 262.6 million tons. This reflects a 7% decrease in global stocks 
from last year. And in some of the most important news on a by-origin basis, Canadian spring wheat harvest is at 93% complete in Manitoba, 88% complete in Saskatchewan, and 79% finished in Alberta. Alberta agriculture increased its projected provincial yield by over a bushel to 40.8 bushels per acre. Canadian wheat exports for the first few weeks of the marketing year continue to be strong. Exports in week 7 were 447.7 thousand tons for a season total of 2.4 million tons. This is up 41% from last year. Producer deliveries also remain strong, which caused visible supplies to grow to 3 million tons. China imported 820,000 tons of wheat from all origins in August for a season total of 2.4 million tons, up 30% from last year. Over half of the supplies was from Australia, while Canada supplied about 240,000 tons of the total volume. Rain has impacted the size and quality of China's wheat crop, which could make them a strong importer of high-quality wheat again this year. For Durham, Durham harvest in Canada is 94% complete in Saskatchewan and 95% complete in Alberta. In the U.S., Durham harvest in North Dakota and Montana is 83% and 93% complete respectively. The quality of the U.S. crop is average, according to the U.S. wheat associates, but recent rain has impacted the color of the later harvested production. With approximately 60% of the total expected samples having been tested, the overall grade of the U.S. Durham crop remains as a number one HAD. The EU has been importing good volumes of Durham so far this year. As of shipping week 12, the EU imported almost 600,000 tons of Durham compared to the average volume of just over 300,000 tons. EU exports, meanwhile, have been very slow. Most of the Durham being imported into the EU is from Turkey and Russia, while Canada has only supplied about 15% of the total volume so far. Canadian Durham exports remain slow. Just 10.3 thousand tons of Durham was shipped in shipping week 7 for a year-to-date total of 233.4 thousand tons. Durham exports seasonally pick up in October and November. And into the U.S. U.S. wheat exports remain slow but caught up slightly with last year. Weekly sales were 11.3 million bushels for a season total of 316 million bushels. This is now down 17% from last year, compared to the USDA's 3% projected decline. Spring wheat harvest in the U.S. is 93% complete, which is in line with average. The average protein of the U.S. hardwood spring wheat crop was unchanged at 14.2% which is slightly lower than last year and well off from the five-year average of 14.6%. Lower protein levels have widened protein spreads in the U.S. In Australia, Australia's Bureau of Meteorology declared an El Nino event as the forecast for the grain filling period becomes concerningly hot and dry. Private estimates for Australia's crop are falling to 24 to 25 million tonnes compared to the USDA's 26 million tonne projection. There was some rain in Western Australia late last week, which should help slow the deterioration of some of the crops there.
In Argentina, the condition of Argentina's wheat crop improved by 1 point to 25% good to excellent. This compares to 14% good to excellent last year. Confidence in the crop seems to be low, as farmers have sold just 1.5 million tons of wheat against 5.3 million tons of wheat this time last year. In the European Union, the EU officially lifted the ban on Ukrainian agriculture imports. Romania and Bulgaria have said they will comply, while Hungary, Slovakia, and Poland remain belligerent. We note that the ban was originally put in place as large amounts of very cheap agricultural products were flooding the markets and impacting farmers in the region. In the Black Sea, at least two ships have successfully sailed to a Ukrainian port, loaded and crossed the Black Sea carrying Ukrainian wheat. These are the first vessels to have made such a journey since Russia pulled out of the Black Sea trade deal. Ukraine's Danube Shipping Company has requested the port of Constanta will allow ship-to-ship -ship transfers, which could almost double the current 700,000 ton per month capacity. The harvest is continuing in the Black Sea. In Ukraine, just 40% of Ukraine's wheat is reported to meet milling specifications compared to the 70% of normal. In Russia, harvest is 70% complete. Russia and Ukraine are both dry ahead of the fall winter wheat seeding, and there is no rain in the forecast, which will impact germination. And just a quick note on Kazakhstan. should mention that strong spring conditions allowed farmers in Kazakhstan to increase wheat seeding area by over 6% from last year. But then the crop was hit with hot and dry summer conditions and rain at harvest time. The collective result of this has estimates of the country's wheat crop at 12.5 million tons, which is down by almost 25% from last year, and the quality of the crop is variable. Despite the decrease in production, carryover stocks are expected to double from last year to 3 million tons. The first real export of 1,300 tons of wheat was made from Kazakhstan to China. China is an emerging market for Kazakhstan. Total wheat exports to China are expected to be just 200,000 tons this year, but are expected to grow to a 1 million ton market in future years. Finally, some of the significant purchases and trades. Algeria reportedly bought 600,000 tons of wheat. There were likely multiple origins at the tender, but prices look like Russia was the only one selling above replacement costs. Egypt bought two cargoes of Romanian wheat, and Korea bought 50,000 tons of Australian wheat. We mentioned before that U.S. exports continued to be slow, down 17% from last year. In conclusion, North American wheat remains too expensive, except for special hard wheat buyers. The stock position will be important for future direction. Year-to-date usage remains low. The Russian crop is large, and storage problems will force sales there. We expect that futures will continue to fall in the short term, and then improve in the new year. We would hold additional sales for now. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. November canola closed at 7.14.20, up $3.30. January canola closed at 7.23.30,
up $2.60. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.66 and a half, down two and a half cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 7.10 and a half, down four cents. December Chicago wheat closed at 5.89 per bushel, unchanged. December corn closed at 4.79 and three quarters, down one and a half cents. November soybeans closed at 13.02 and three quarters, that's up five cents. December oats closed at 4.33 per bushel, down a half a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Saskag today will continue in one minute's time. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. The Market Analysis Group of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has issued a new outlook report for principal field crops. Saskagtoday.com's Chief Agricultural Editor, Kevin Hirsch, examines how the price estimates have changed since the last report issued in August. The Outlook report uses the most recent yield estimates as well as seeded acreage and export statistics and also takes production and demand in other countries into account. As compared to the report issued in August, average price projections for the current crop year have either stayed the same or increased for all crops except corn, which is down slightly. Wheat, barley, oats and field peas are among the crops unchanged from last month. The Durham price projection has been increased by $10 a ton and is now a $90 a ton premium over spring wheat. The canola price projection is up by $25 a ton compared to last month, surprising given the large drop in canola prices over the past few weeks. The average flax price projection has been increased by $10 a ton compared to last month, but remains well below last year and well below the five-year average. Lentils, an average of red and green lentil price projections, are up $100 a ton over last month. A $100 a ton increase has also been applied to the chickpea price projection. Even larger increases have been applied to mustard and canary seed, with the projected mustard average price for this crop year up by $120 a ton and canary seed up by $115. For Saskag Today, I'm Kevin Hirsch. And it's coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, Sunny skies, winds south-southeast at 15 to 30, gusting to 40 at times, and a high of 21 degrees. For tonight, a few clouds, winds southeast at 15 to 25, gusting over 30, a low of 12. For tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds south-southeast at 20 to 35, a high of 21. For Thursday, a 30% chance of morning showers, then partly cloudy. Winds northwest at 15 to 30, and a high of 18. For Friday, partly to mainly sunny, a high of 20, 
and Saturday a mix of sun and cloud, a high of 19. In the Paw, it's 21 degrees, Swan River 22, Dauphin 19, Brandon 16, Show Lake Russell and Roblin 17. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at 22 degrees, Saskatoon 27, Hudson Bay Indian Head 21, Broadview Mooseman 20. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a south-southeast wind at 33, gusting to 48 kilometers an hour. 63% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskang today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.